The following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Today's a special day for us. We're talking about God's Word and missions all day long. And I've invited a, a, a man who's become a very good friend of mine. Uh, you know, sometimes you meet people in the, in the journey that we have in the kingdom of God, and you just have a, an immediate kindred spirit. Yeah, you, you just kind of walk away from those conversations think, I, I, I think that guy's like me. And so that's what happened to me when we first met Randy Shaw. Randy has been the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Glasgow, Kentucky for 15 years. Uh, he and his wife, Tracy. Tracy, wave at everybody. She's right here on the front row. Uh, he and his wife, Tracy, have raised four boys. They, uh, their church has been involved in, with Montana for a long, long time with Native American work, particularly up in the northeastern part of Montana, but Native American work all around. And that's how we first met as we started to talk about that. And, uh, and so when we started talking about today would be a missions day and sharing with them about what Jim and Brandy plan to do in the Heights, I thought he would be the perfect person to come and teach and share and preach God's word with us today. So would you give a warm Montana welcome to Pastor Randy Shaw. Thank you, Well, good morning, Emmanuel. Thank you for uh, the wonderful invitation and uh, the wonderful hospitality that Tracy and I have received. Uh, we have been in town uh, since Friday and have seen a large majority uh, of Billings and got to travel with Jim and Brandy yesterday and view the heights and uh, be able to uh, just see uh, the potential of what God's wanting to do uh, up in that section of Billings. Uh, we were able to spend time uh, with the Fowlers on Friday evening and hear about uh, the associational work and how a manual is going to be used of the Lord uh, to reestablish association and fellowship uh, between Southern Baptist churches. And uh, that is so exciting uh, to hear and to be a part of that. And then just the hospitality and maturity, I would amen everything that Paul said about just a, a kindred spirit. Uh, I love meeting you native Montanians. Uh, you are a blessing uh, to be able to fellowship with. And uh, I know that you love your pastor and been praying for uh, Patrice, his wife, and uh, just encouraging all the other staff. I can tell you um, that I am greatly um, impressed and, and thankful to God uh, for not only your pastor, um, but the staff that uh, the Lord has uh, used Paul to assemble here to serve you people and to reach uh, South Central uh, Montana. It is an incredible blessing to be able to visit with staff folks and to find out about family and to hear, uh, well, we have adopted these kids or we've adopted these kids or we've adopted these kids. And that is something that we're passionate about in Glasgow, Kentucky and in our own church family. Uh, Tracy and I have one adopted son from St. Lucia. Uh, we have three biological boys ourselves, And so we just really believe uh, that God wants us 
uh, to reach out and minister to those who do not have family, who do not know what it's like to experience the love of Christ. And so I am delighted to be with you uh, this morning. I'm uh, grateful to be a part of Mission Sunday here, uh, excited and thrilled uh, when Paul is telling me about Vision 3000. Uh, man, how exciting that is to think about planting a church in the Heights, sending out uh, some of your most beloved staff members to do that. And I want to commend you all because not only is that a great uh, investment, but that's a great sacrifice as well. And I want to encourage you, even before we read God's word this morning and let you know, uh, God's going to return that to you, Emmanuel. Uh, you're going to see your efforts as you seek to plant churches. You're going to see this sanctuary fill up. And as you send people out, God's going to bring people in. And uh, that's going to be a tremendous, tremendous blessing to you all and uh, certainly to the Billings area. And so the idea of planting Grace Point is such a blessing. And then um, just the fowlers being sent out to establish fellowship between the churches is a tremendous blessing as well. And then I'm just excited, probably most of all, about this each one reach one. Wow, what, a, what an incredible vision that is. I just said to Paul backstage, I said, you know what? I said, God doesn't honor a man-sized vision, but God honors a God-sized vision. And what a God-sized vision the Lord has given you all here at Emmanuel. And I hope that this morning you know the one that you're attempting to reach. And if you don't know that one that you're attempting to reach this year, that you will be praying and saying, God, who is that one that you would have me invest in this year, to pray for this year, to invite to worship this year, to begin to uh, talk with and begin to disciple. And uh, what a tremendous, tremendous blessing that is. And so I want to invite you to take a copy of God's word and turn with me to the 96th Psalm, the 96th Psalm, Psalm 96. And I want to talk about this morning, how worship, how worship is the key to Emmanuel fulfilling vision 3000. You would think that I would preach on the Great Commission, and I'm going to share about that in just a minute. You'll hear me share that passage. But I want to say to you that before a group of people will ever engage and partner with God in reaching the nations, before we ever do that, we have to be drawn close to the Lord. We have to be a passionate, worshiping people if we're going to be the type of people who are going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so with that being said, I want to begin reading verse 1 with you this morning. Psalm 96. The psalmist says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of all the peoples are worthless idols. For all the gods of all the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord, he made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. 
Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. I'm thankful that Jesus, when he was about to ascend into heaven, left the great commission to his disciples and consequently to everyone who would follow him and call upon him as Lord and Savior. We see that in Matthew 28, specifically verses 19 and 20, when the Lord said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that word nations in, in the Greek is a, a word in which we get our word ethne from, ethnic from. And what he's saying when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. What he is saying there when he uses that word nations is he's referring to people groups. He's talking about a people that share a common ethnic identity or a common language or history or religion. And he's not referring to what we commonly think of as geopolitical nations. He's not talking about the USA or Mexico or Canada or Russia or China. He's not talking in those terms. Jesus is not speaking in those terms when he uses that word nations. Rather, he's talking about these individual people groups. Do you realize this morning, Emmanuel, that right now as we speak this morning, November 11th, 2018, that there are 7,085 unreached people groups in the world today. So 7,000 unreached um, different ethnic tribes or peoples who have less than 2% gospel opportunity, less than 2% evangelical work going on in their area where their uh, ethnic group is located. That is 4.4 billion people with less than this 2% gospel witness opportunity. Some of those people, believe it or not, are here in Montana. Believe it or not, some of them are in North Dakota and South Dakota. I know we think about in America, everybody in America hears the gospel. But I want to say to you, not everyone that names the name of Jesus or talks about the church is really preaching the gospel, nor is it an orthodox gospel that has the power to save people and set them free from the power of their sin. Do you realize that today, out of that 7,085 unreached people groups, that 3,177 of those groups are unengaged? Now, let me explain to you what that means, Emmanuel. It means this. Those people have zero opportunity this morning to hear the gospel. Zero opportunity. Right now, there is no gospel witness. There is no safe person. There is no Bible. There is no gospel TV. There is nothing in that ethnic group That's giving them the opportunity to hear the gospel. They have zero access to the gospel. That is 236 million people. 236 
million people have no access to the gospel. This morning, by the time we leave here at 12 o'clock or 12.30, there will be 900 or 1,000 folks coming in out of these doors, however many will come in for Bible study and worship and have opportunity to hear the gospel. Most people in America have an opportunity to hear the gospel. While not all of them are reached, they all have an opportunity to be engaged with the gospel. But there's a little lady washing her pan in the mountains of Nepal, and there's no gospel there. There's no Christian witness there. There's no Bible there. And so she looks at those snow-covered mountains of Nepal, and she's washing that stream, washing her pot in that stream, and she's thinking to herself, what should I be thinking about this world that I'm observing? She looks at it and she says, there has to be some explanation for life. And there's no Christian there to say, let me tell you about the God who created what you're experiencing and see, seeing. Let me tell you how you can know this God personally. And so, my brothers and sisters, I want to say to you that it is tremendously important that if we are going to reach the nations, that we do so by having a heart that is connected to God in worship. If every church, if every person is going to try to engage each people group, if you and I are going to try to each one of us reach one for the sake of Christ this coming year, it is imperative that we be a glad and grateful and gracious people who worship and delight in God our maker and Jesus our savior. And I will say to you, this is why. John Piper said it best when he said this. We as God's people will not commend. He said we will never commend what we do not cherish. We'll never commend what we do not cherish. What keeps God's people from sharing the gospel with someone else? What keeps us from being motivated and passionate enough to sit down with somebody and say, I would love to have a relationship with you and get to know you better. And I would love to be able to talk to you about God and answer any questions that you may have about God. And if you don't have any, I would just like to be your friend and get to know you better. What keeps us from doing that? And I will say to you, what keeps us from engaging lostness is that our hearts are not passionately in love with Jesus Christ. If you believe that this morning, I want you to affirm that by saying amen. Amen. Listen, Listen to how the psalmist puts it. He says that God calls all peoples to worship him and in so doing declaring his glory among the nations being evangelical witnesses for the glory of God. All peoples, he tells us in verses 1 through 3, are commanded to praise God. He says it this way, oh sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord and bless his name and tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all peoples. Do you know what the psalmist is reminding us and telling us to do? He's telling us that we should praise the Lord in new song. When he says, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, 
He's reminding us of something that uh, the psalmist has already said in Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. What is he talking about here? He's referring to a heart song. God, when he began to establish Israel, they were a singing people. God's people all the way down through creation have been a singing people. In the New Testament, we see Paul telling us to make melody in our hearts and to sing to the Lord. I love that God puts a heart song in us for Christ as we come to know him and as we are born again. I, I love that um, we are a singing people and God has put uh, some rhythm and some harmony and some desire to sing in our hearts, although I'm not very good at that. I can tell you that when Tracy and I uh, began to uh, date and then when we got engaged and we knew we were going to be married way back in uh, the early 90s, 1990, and then in 1991, there was a song out by Michael Bolton, Love is a Wonderful Thing, and it's a big band song and lots of horns and all of those things and just had a catchy tune to it. We even played that song at our wedding as we marched out uh, after we had committed ourselves to the Lord and committed ourselves to one another. And I can remember that that was our song. And we love that song. We can think of it today and we play it today and it brings a smile to our face. I could break in and sing it now, but it would not only be inappropriate on a Sunday morning, it would hurt your ears if I began to do that. But you know, when I came to know Christ, he changed my heart in such a way at age 19, he gave me another heart song. See, I would have been listening to ZZ Top and I would have been listening to the Beach Boys and a lot of different things. And after I became a believer and I started attending church in South Central Kentucky, it's rural. Uh, You guys think Montana's rural. I'm telling you, we're rural and we're hillbilly rural. Do y'all know what that means? Uh, We don't have deer and elk running around in our backyard. We have chickens, right? And uh, goats running around in our backyard. And uh, one of the songs that I heard, not growing up in church, not being a, I'm a first generation believer, so I'm a person who has grown up in in, uh, just lostness and darkness. I heard this song one night at church service, Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story, how a savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And I heard that song and I thought, that is me. I'm a wretch. I heard this old story about how Jesus came, how he had the power to forgive me of my sin. He reached down, granted me faith to believe. I responded to the gospel and my life has never been the same. And I can tell you because of that, God has put a song in my heart and how you and I should be uh, praising God in song. And we should be praising him in daily witness, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. This is as we go along each day, we're singing with this heart song that God has given us in our, in our own life. And it, it may not be victory in Jesus for you. It may be some other song. Those songs change as we grow and, and mature in the faith. But your heart should be beating passionately for Christ and the things of Christ. And then as we go along the way in our daily witness, we should tell of his salvation from day to day. 
And then he says in verse 3, declare his glory among the nations. We should praise the Lord in global proclamation. What does he mean when he says declare his glory? He doesn't say here, right in the Old Testament, declare his gospel. Although the gospel is the glory of God, you can see God's glory in and through the gospel. And I would say to you in the most clearest way, but here in its context, in its Old Testament context, what was he speaking about? And here is what it means when he, we're referring to God's glory. David Platt, our just recent president of our International Mission Board, he said God's glory summarizes the seriousness, the perfection, the infinite significance of all of God's attributes. So when you think about God's love, or you think about God's justice, or you think about God's wrath, or you think about God's grace, or God's mercy, when you combine all of those things, all of those qualities and characteristics that make God God, God in his entirety, you see his glory. And, and the Bible says here that we are declare that glory wherever we go. But then look at verses four and five and six. He says, all peoples are commanded to fear God for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. We should be in awe of God's greatness for great is the Lord. We should be in awe of God's glory because in verse 6 he says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. What is he speaking about when he uses this phrase splendor? He's speaking about the excellency of God, the grandeur of God, the majesty of the Lord, the brilliance of God in Christ. What he's saying is there's nothing finer than Jesus Christ. There's nothing finer than God. I had an opportunity yesterday. We had a few hours after uh, lunch with Jim and Brandy, and, and uh, it was recommended to us that we drive up to Red Lodge. And so we did that, and we went through the town of Red Lodge, and I could tell as we were driving, we were... Um, we were ascending and getting up higher and higher. And when we went through the town, Tracy said, let's go up and look at the lodge itself. And uh, there's a sign there that says traction control required or chains. And I had neither on this little rental car that we had rented. And I uh, thought, well, we, we'll go up as far as we can. And so we got about three miles up that mountain only to find that it was snow covered. The road was, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And we were taken back in awe with the splendor and the majesty and the beauty of creation. It reminded me of the text that I'm preaching today. And I thought, man, this is God's handiwork. This is part of it. But can I say something to you today? The beauty of Montana the big sky, the wonderful mountains, the crystal clear rivers and creeks, it cannot compare to the splendor and majesty and glory and awe of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you think of the best thing that you can possibly experience here on earth, I want you to know it pales in comparison to Jesus, our Lord. And then when he says strength and beauty are in his sanctuary, what does he mean there? He means that Beauty and power, it emanates from God himself. It means that there is nothing that we see that did not receive its strength or its beauty or its draw or its awe to us that it did not receive from God. Oh, my brothers and sisters, my desire today is 
that in just a few minutes when we close and you leave this sanctuary, that you are going to be convinced that you need to draw closer and nearer to the heart of God and the person of God and the vision of God than ever before. Because when you fall passionately in love with the Lord, And you have a heart song inside of you and you're beginning to recognize that great is God in every aspect of life. No matter what circumstance I find myself in, you are going to be motivated to declare his glory to all peoples everywhere. All peoples are commanded to live holy before the Lord. He says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and bring an offering and come into his courts and worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. God calls us to live a holy life before him. All peoples are commanded to live holy before God. How do we do that? How do we live a holy life? Well, we first of all recognize that this word holiness means that Israel was set apart by God as his people. In the New Testament, it means that when we come to know Christ, that we are set apart for Christ, by Christ, for God's glory. It means that we come before him with our families, families who are sitting under the word of God. It means that we ascribe or we give credit to God for his glory and strength. It means that we bring an offering to the place of worship and we give it joyfully to the Lord because we recognize that everything that we have comes from the Lord. God has committed it to us as stewards and he wants us to return it to him by investing it to reach people everywhere and to bring glory to his name. We worship in splendor and excellence of holiness. And I want to say to you this morning, only Jesus can provide that. Only Jesus can set you apart and make you holy. You can't do it by reading your Bible. You can't do it by observing the Ten Commandments. You can't do it by saying, okay, I'm going to buy into this each one and reach one. And I'm just going to do that out of the power of my flesh or the energy of my own accomplishment. You, You cannot do it. Only a passionate love affair with Christ will cause your heart to beat in such a way that you will look at a neighbor, you will look at a friend, you'll look at a coworker, you'll look at a classmate, and you will say, that person was created by God, that person is meant to be an image bearer of God, and that person is meant to know the gospel of God, and God has put me in that person's life so that I can share the gospel with them. Witness flows out of worship. If you understand that, say amen. And then lastly, look with me at verses 10 through 13. All peoples are commanded to look to God. I love what the psalmist says. For he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. We should be glad and joyful people because we serve a sovereign Lord. That means he knows you. He knows me. That means there's not anything that God can accomplish that he desires to accomplish. That includes allowing us to declare his glory among the nations because we are so rightly connected to him. We should be glad and joyful people because we not only serve this sovereign Lord, but this sovereign Lord who comes for us. He knows us and he ultimately will judge us. Can I... Speak truth to you today. If I can, I want you to affirm that by saying amen. Amen. 
The judgment of the Lord, the Lord's coming, fears you. It strikes you. It unnerves you. It causes you to be restless at night, not to sleep. It causes you to be questioning in the morning, do I know him? I want to say to you, you need to put that to rest. You need to call upon Christ in believing faith and confess your sins to Christ and to ask him to cover your sins, to wash your sins away. Tell him that you believe that he is the only way to God and to have a right relationship with him. If you say, Pastor Randy, are are you fearful? Are you fearful of God coming and his judgment? I absolutely am not. Why? Because you, you get it right every day? I don't get it right every minute. Are any of y'all like that? Let me tell you, Jesus gets it right every second of every minute, every minute of every hour, every hour of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month, every month of every year. There's never been a time that Jesus has not gotten it perfectly right. And my life is hid with him. So when God comes for us, when Christ comes for us, it is not what we have done that matters. It is who we have trusted. And when we have trusted Christ, he motivates us to make him known to all people everywhere. We are covered in his righteousness, verse 13 tells us. Tozer puts it this way. I want you to listen to this quote. He says... For many, there is no emotional yearning for the return of Jesus. The best hope that they know is a kind of intellectual, theological hope. He says, but an intellectual knowledge of what the New Testament teaches about the return of Christ is surely a poor substitute for a love-inflamed desire, for a love-inflamed desire to look upon the face of Jesus. Tozer said, I bow my head and continue to pray with a humble, with the humble writer of the revelation. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Will you bow your heart in worship? Will you ask God to draw you closer than you've ever been, ever been to him before? That you might recognize his glory. And as you do, that being the prime motivator for you to share the gospel with someone else. Will you pray Luke 10.2 and make that a personal prayer? Oh God, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And don't just pray, Lord, send laborers, but pray and say, Lord, send me. I agree with your word. I, I believe who you are. Lord, send me. Will you give to the world missions offering? Will you give to make God's glory and his gospel known to all peoples? Will you recognize that you can play a part in reaching that little Nepalan lady who has no gospel witness? Because we have people ready to go. Will you pray? Will you give? Will you be willing to actively serve in this Vision 3000? Will you do your part to reach one this year? Will you do your part to join Jim and Brandy in praying for 
a church plant in the Heights? Will you do your part in in partnering with your pastor and and, uh, Brother Steve as they try to reestablish a healthy fellowship of churches that will have a light vision to go and win Montana to Jesus? That is God's desire for us. And that's what we should be praying this morning. So you stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. And I want you to pray this very same thing for me and for Tracy and for our church, Calvary and Glasgow. And let's pray together one for another. And then as we pray, I want to invite you to respond however God responds. Your pastor's going to be coming. But let's pray this morning. Oh, God, help us to sing to you a new song. Help us to see you high and lifted up. God, help us to value and appreciate the cross of Christ like never before. Lord, draw us, help us, Lord, to be more passionately in love with you. And God, may you be our motivation and the prime reason that we go out and seek to make disciples of all peoples everywhere. And God, I pray that you will do that right here in Billings, to the four corners of Montana, God, to the northwest of America, and God, that you will use Emmanuel to go to the ends of the earth, Mm. sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that for my own faith family at Calvary. I pray that for Tracy, for myself, for our boys. And God, I pray for each and every person within the sound of my voice this morning. Oh, God, may we see you high and lifted up. And then may we say with Isaiah the prophet, here am I, send me. Heads are still bowed and eyes closed. I wonder this morning if God hasn't spoken to you. I wonder if he hasn't said something to you about the going. You've got mission trips in the bulletin there, and and maybe you just thought, oh, yeah, that's great that our church sends folks, but have you prayed that maybe you don't need to go on one of those trips? Have you you thought that maybe God's calling you to be a part of the church plant at Grace Point with Pastor Jim? Have you thought about the fact that there's some more that you can do in terms of giving? In just a few moments, we'll talk about the World Mission Offering. But is it possible that God has spoken to you? You know, uh, what Pastor Randy said is so true. We'll, we'll, we'll never share that which we don't cherish. We'll, we'll, we'll never share that which isn't dearest to our hearts. And so this morning, this morning the call is to resume in worship, to ask God to do a work of worship in our souls so that we really do live for and worship God Almighty. Father, I thank you for the power of this sermon. I thank you for the power of your word. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do through Emmanuel in the days to come. And we offer all of this to you in the one and only name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.